Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Last week, you know, I, I shared something that, that I think was... Um, Maybe difficult for for some, uh, very challenging for for many, uh, and I, I don't apologize for that. Uh, I, I will continue to do that. I, I will continue to speak out of the revelation that the Lord gives me, but I. I think the elders today might have some things to to add to that, but I, there there are a few things that I, I want to say uh, before I, I give them opportunity, because you know we're we're in a time when the most critical thing that that I can impart to you, that I can lead you into as followers of Jesus, is. Uh, the knowledge of your own responsibility before him to hear him and obey. That, that is what it means to be a Christian. You, you hear the voice of God in, in your spirit and you do what he says. That is the definition of a follower of Jesus. So uh, my, my hope is that, that when, when you hear a message that challenges your existing paradigm, and, and I, I must say that uh, I was really encouraged by the responses to the message last week because I, I think the Lord has been leading us into uh, a lifestyle of continually adjusting our paradigm, our, our way of thinking about him, about life, about our relationship with him, uh, because it, it is something that as, as we follow the Lord, he continually redefines a lot of things to us. And, and if we're not willing to adjust our way of thinking to the new things that, that he reveals, then... We, we end up stuck. And, and, and that defines all of us at, at one time or another. I mean, we, we hit things that are hard and, and challenge us and, and, and we don't want to deal with or adjust to or do or what, whatever the case may be. And, and the Lord, in, in His mercy and in His grace, he, he waits for us. And, and he, he leaves us in a, a place of wilderness many times, uh, waiting for us to come around to his way of thinking. Because his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our ways, and he is bringing us up to his level. That's, that's what he's doing. And as we learn to adjust our thinking, our, our living, uh, our relationships, uh, 
all those things, he is bringing us higher uh, as we adjust to him. So any, anyway, those of you who were not here last week, you're kind of wondering, well, what's he talking about? Well, we're going through the letters to the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And, and we got to the letter to the church at Pergamos last week. And uh, what happened is the week before last, as I was preparing for the message last week, uh, you know, I was meditating on it and I was praying. And uh, the, the Lord just, he hit me with a revelation that, uh, I mean, it was like a two-by-four on, on the side of the head. Uh, that Christmas and Easter were exactly what he was talking about in the letter to the church at Pergamos. And, and I'll give you a little bit more background. Because what, what we want to do today... Uh, the, the elders, uh, is, is we, we would like to help you in processing this information for yourself. Because when, when we get information, uh, we can make adjustments in, in our life to, to information. But... It's, it's hard to make adjustments in our life just based on information. When the Lord gives us revelation and, and it becomes a, a truth that we, we know in our gut, then it's much easier and it's more appropriate to make an adjustment to, to the revelation. Because we... We want to live by revelation, not by information. So I, from, from the very beginning, from when we launched this church, I, I was committed to speaking to you out of revelation and not just giving you information. Because while much information may be helpful... Revelation contains life. And fresh revelation is like fresh bread. And I want you to eat fresh bread. So the, the Lord's been very faithful to, to give me revelation to give to you for these six and a half years or, or so. And that's what I was doing last week. The letter to the church at Pergamos is about a church that had some people in it who were following the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak how to ensnare the children of Israel into pagan religious practices and intermarrying in, into pagan families and adding pagan 
religious practices and celebrations to what God had given them. It wasn't that they said, okay, it's this or this. Balaam told Balak, just, just get him to add some of this to this, and it'll be really bad for him, and God will judge him, and you won't even have to fight him because God will take care of your enemies for you. And it worked out really well for him. Well, personally, uh, Joy and I, we, we have had revelation about the historic roots of Easter, the historic roots of Christmas for a few years. And as I said last week, we, we have never celebrated Easter here. You've never heard that word come out of my mouth because Easter is a pagan celebration that in the third century was introduced to the church to replace the modified celebration of Passover that the Christians had been doing up to that time. Because at the same time, there was anti-Semitism coming in to the church. So it was, it was nice to be able to do away with the, the Jewish roots of Passover and replace it with something that was even socially acceptable and socially popular. And it's, it's exactly the same kind of thing that brought the celebration of Christmas into the church. So between the 3rd and the 5th century, both of those practices came into the church. Uh, both of them, historically, uh, were pagan celebrations. And... Uh, you know, I, I gave lots of information last week. If you're on the email list, you, you got lots more information, uh, especially about Christmas. Uh, if you're not getting the emails, please let me know because I'm happy to add you to our email list. We do a lot of communication that way. But now, now that you have this information, uh, you, you need to seek the Lord for your own revelation of, okay, now, now that I know this, and, and, and the one thing that, that was really interesting to me in, in all of my research about Christmas and Easter is I, I never came across any dispute of the roots of those two holidays. Uh, none. Uh, they're, they're just historical facts. But, but now that we know this, uh, what, what are you going to do? And I, I kind of shared with you what Joy and I are going to do, and I apologize to Luke about not getting any more Christmas presents. Uh, <laughs> But this, this, is, this is an important issue, but the, the deeper issue that, that is below this is, is the more important issue. See, if, and, and I don't think 
very many of you, maybe if any of you, are, are even here because of this. But if, if you just want to be a participant in the Christian religion and, and come to a meeting on Sunday and, and maybe give tithes and offerings and maybe not, uh, and, and, and just go feel good about yourself and live your life the rest the way you want, uh, that's not going to do anything for you. That, that's not what Jesus came and died for. Uh, and, and frankly, it, it's not going to do you any more good than if you were going to a mosque or, or if you were going to a, a Mormon church or, or anything else, if, if that's all this, this is about to you. So... Starting from the point of view that, that that's not us, okay, <laughs> then, then, then we, we want to be true to the ways of God. We, we, we want to figure out what it truly looks like to be the people of God in Cheyenne, Wyoming in 2014. And, and be that. Right? Uh, and, and, and what we find is that if, if we just start with, with what we've been given, and, and I, I, I should have shared this revelation last week, but I didn't. Because when, when I was young, I, I don't know, I was, I was probably like 10 years old or 9 something. Uh, I was in a service and the pastor said there's somebody here who's called into the ministry and I, I felt like it was me and I even by that point in my life I, I had seen enough stuff in church to not like a lot of what I had seen and and I said to the Lord Really? <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. I, in fact, I don't even think I, I could do that. And, and he, he spoke something to me that answered the vast majority of my reservations just at, at that moment. And he said, don't think that everything that you see in church is as it should be. And I said, whew. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> okay, well, that, that gives me something to, to go on. And, and so, you know, as, as we have pursued this, as, as a church, and I, I, I don't want to give visitors or, or new people the impression or the idea that I think we are doing it right and everybody else is doing it wrong. No. I, I think there's still plenty that we're, we're doing wrong, and, and there's plenty that everybody's doing wrong at this point. But I, I, I do believe this in my heart, that we are in a time when Reformation is is on the 
very near horizon. And, and that, that the Lord Jesus, the judge that we see in Revelation chapter 1 and here in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, I, I believe he is coming to the church soon and, and he is going to begin to make a lot of things right that maybe have not been right up to now. And, you know, if, if I knew everything that was wrong, I, I would be trying to fix it. But I need my thinking renewed. Because I'm, I'm still probably okay with some things that I should not be okay with. And, and I think that defines probably all of us in here. That, that we're, we're okay with things in our own lives. We're, we're okay with things in other people's lives. We're okay with things in our gatherings, in our meetings, that, that maybe we should not be okay with. And, but I trust that the Lord is going to show us those things as, as we truly seek to be his people with, with a pure heart. Because there, there is there's something, and, and I think I'm going to share this now. Um, revelation from the Lord is progressive. And, and this is, boy, I thought I had it on here. There it is, okay. Matthew 13, starting in verse 11. And he answered and said to them, To you, to his inner circle, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, to the multitude, it has not been granted. For whoever has to him, and, and that's to whoever who possesses, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, whoever does not possess, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you, and I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So for those of us who, who receive revelation from the Lord, and we, we embrace it, and it becomes part of who we are, it becomes now part of the way we think and part of the way we live, we have it. We possess it. It possesses us. 
For, for those of us, more will be given. But for those who, who don't even possess it, they may hear information. They, they may even receive revelation, but it does not change the way they think and it does not change the way they live. Jesus says even what they think they have is going to be taken from them because that is the way the kingdom operates. The Lord gives us revelation. If we let it become part of us, then he says, okay, well, here's some more. And we receive that, and it becomes part of us, and he says, okay, well, here's some more. And that's how he leads us. That, that is the Christian life. There, there is no other true Christian life. That is the Christian life. The Lord speaks, we receive, we say yes, we obey, and then he speaks some more. See, the Lord in, in his mercy, if, if, if we are those who, who do not have, in, in his mercy, he, he doesn't want to give you more so that you can be more disobedient. That, that is the kingdom. So, I, I think, you know, I, I need to give you a little bit more information because uh, I, I was thankful to the Lord for the words that, that were given today because uh, an interesting word, was prophetic word, was spoken over Joy and I by a, a true spiritual father of, of ours. Uh, years ago, and there, there was a word that he wanted to speak over us, but it wasn't what the Lord was saying. He said, instead, I, I feel like the, the Lord is, is going to move you in, in, into a, a true non-Catholic expression of the church. And and I'm I'm coming to understand more of, of what that means. Because see in in a Catholic church you have the priest who's up here and usually he's even higher than this. And all of you are way down there. And, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Because the, the priest hears for, for the people, and you just listen to the priest, and he's your intermediary between God and man. And, and that is not the New Testament. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man, and he is yours and he is mine. And as I'm studying these letters to the churches, I, I haven't even gotten to the part about the Nicolaitans yet in, in the letter to the church at Pergamos. But we're today, in the kind of meeting that we're having, we're, we're actually 
throwing that doctrine of the Nicolaitans out the window. Because there, there isn't a distinction between the pastor and the people. There is a distinction in gifting, calling, and responsibility. That's, that's all. And, and so, in, in this church, we, we've had the privilege, I've had the privilege, of walking together with a group of elders, and, and we've, we've added elders as, as we have had elders to add, and, and we, we have walked together in agreement. And that's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, these, these guys are, are definitely not yes men to me. And they, they question me, and they, uh, I receive their input, and we walk together. And we love each other, and we lead together. And that is a New Testament expression of how the church is, is supposed to be. So it's, it's unique. Uh, I've never been in a meeting like this uh, where you, you get to hear from all the elders. And uh, I don't even know what they're going to say. They, they didn't know what I was going to say. Uh, but we, we trust each other. And we lead together. And uh, having a church that's, that's led by elders who are in unity rather than some kind of appointed board, uh, it's, it's a different kind of thing. And, and I think in, in the days ahead that the Lord is, is going to bring us into a fuller expression of what this looks like. So, uh, whoever wants to come up next, uh, I think now's a good time. You know, I uh, really hadn't prepared anything to say, but I believe that the Lord, since I've been sitting here earlier in the service, the Lord gave me what uh, I believe He wants to say. Uh, many of you already know the origins, for example, of Christ Christmas, the pagan origins. But a lot of the times I've heard, well, yeah, it started out as a pagan holiday, but let's make it a Christian holiday so we can further the gospel. And... You know, just right off the top of your head, that sounds like a really good idea. I mean, doesn't God want us to really spread the gospel and bring everybody into the kingdom? Well, as God said, you know, your ways aren't my ways, and your thoughts aren't my thoughts, and these are the thoughts of man. Let's make it a Christian holiday. But what are God's thoughts? Well, if you will remember when the children of Israel went into the promised land and they were to occupy it, uh, 
God told them, He said, you know, when you get in there, I want you to take all of those uh, items of worship, the altars, and all of the graven images, everything that had anything to do with the pagan worship and the pagan instruments of worship, the celebrations, I want you to destroy them. And the children of Israel could have said, but God, you don't understand. Those altars are already built. We could just move right into those altars. It'd be easy. We wouldn't have to build a new altar. And we could worship you. It would, we could do it quicker. You wouldn't have to wait so long to really get us to worship and everything. But that isn't God's way. And God has called us to follow Him and to follow His ways and to hear from Him and say, yes, Lord. That's what God wants. He wants our obedience. And uh, if you'll remember, most people are familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You know, uh, we're not saved by works, but by God's grace. But Ephesians 2, 10 says, for we are His workmanship created for good works which He has previously prepared or ordained for us. Now, many times people try and think in their heads, what good thing could I do for God? What can I do to please God? Well, the thing that pleases God are these good works that He previously prepared. And we just need to hear from Him what those good works are and walk into those good works. We don't need to uh, rack our brains and come up with good works for God. We just need to hear from Him. He already has those good works laid out, and we walk into those good works as we walk in the Spirit. So He told the children of, uh, of Israel, uh, get rid of those, destroy them. And He also said, those things are an abomination to me. If you bring those things even into your home, you become an abomination. What does that mean? That means if we bring those items of worship into our houses, we give Satan ground. We give him access to bring death destruction, sickness, disease. We give Him access to place a curse upon our house, upon our family. And He warned him. He said, do not bring these things into your house. Well, let's look at David. What did David do? David looked at the house he had just built when he was the king, not only over of Judah, but all of Israel. And he said, wow, I live in this super nice house, and God has to dwell in that tent over there. You know, it would be a really great idea if I built a temple for God. That would really please him. So he told Nathan the prophet, he said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build God a house. And Nathan said, wow, David, that sounds like a great idea. Go ahead and do it. And so as Nathan's on the way home, God speaks to him and he says, Turn around and go back and tell David, don't build that house. Have I ever told David that I was unhappy dwelling in a tent? Have I ever told him that I wanted him to build a house for me? No, he hadn't. But David thought in his own mind, 
Wow, that's a great idea. God will really be pleased with that. No. God said, your thoughts aren't my thoughts. My thoughts are different. Your ways aren't my ways. My ways are different. My ways and my thoughts are higher than your ways and your thoughts. And so what we ask is, God, what are your ways in this matter? Well, we know from historical fact that Christmas, as we call it now, was a pagan holiday. And the items that are used in the celebration of Christmas by the world are what? Well, a Christmas tree. That was an item of the pagan celebration. All of the lights and things that are on the Christmas tree, that was an item or items of the Christmas celebration. They were celebrating the return of the sun. It was a celebration of the sun. It was not a celebration of the S-O-N. It was a celebration of the S-U-N. And so other things, mistletoe, the greens that are, the greenery that's brought into the house, all of these things that we view as common parts of the Christmas celebration for us are items that were part of the pagan celebration. These were items of uh, worship and celebration to pagan gods. And what did God say about those things? Don't even bring them into your house because you will be giving Satan an opportunity to attack you and your family. Do we want to give Satan an opportunity to attack us and our family? No. We're told, give no opportunity or give no ground to the enemy because he will use every bit he has and try and expand it and gain more. So I believe that's what the Lord was speaking to me as I sat here this morning in the fellowship, and I believe that's what he wants you to know and understand. And I believe he is leading us to set aside the instruments of that pagan celebration. Now, here's what he didn't say. He didn't say it's wrong for you to get together and have family get-togethers and celebrations at that time of year. He didn't say it's wrong for you to have holiday feast or family feast of celebration. He did not say it's wrong to give gifts to those to bless them. Who's the biggest gift giver of all? It's our God. He delights in giving gifts to His people. So we can bless our family members with a gift, and I would suggest that rather than asking your family members, what would you like me to get you? You say, God, what would you like me to get this family member that will be a blessing for them? God is not only the giver of physical gifts, He is the giver of spiritual gifts. God, what would you like me to pray for this person to bless them in the new year so that they might advance and enter more fully into your kingdom and might enter more fully into their destiny? I believe that's what God would have us to do. He's not saying, oh, I'm an old meanie. I want to cut out all your fun. God delights in us having fun. 
So I'll go ahead and turn it over to uh, anyone else that has uh, something from the Lord. And may the Lord bless you today. Let me, let me start by, uh, by telling you that this man who is our pastor and these men who are elders, um, including Randy, the associate pastor, are people that I am submitted to spiritually. And uh, we take very seriously, and that's already been stated, but we take very seriously the leadership of the flock. But these are people to whom I submit spiritually, and, and uh, that's the, that would be the first thing that I would want you to, to know ab about me. There's a couple of things that, from, from the standpoint of angle on the picture or perspective, that um, you might also, it might also benefit you to know about kind of how I look at the body of Christ, this local body here, as we approach um, our fellowship with one another as a family in the Lord, and as we approach the uh, the the what the responsibilities of raising people up in the Lord, one is that a couple of years ago, actually over the last several years, there was two occasions where somebody prophesied over me, in and it, the message was the same in both cases. These were two people that, to my knowledge, don't even know each other. Um, they both occurred uh, within the context of this body, <clears throat> and both times, I uh, I didn't really know how to handle the message, but what I've what I've discovered is that the message has come true. And so I just, I treat that with some care. And uh, I try to, I just ask the Lord, you know, this is, uh, all this is doing is drawing me into a deeper dependence on you. But the message was this, that uh, my calling within the body, uh, among other things, is to be a guardian, to, to stand guard in a sense. And I don't feel up to that task. It, but I will tell you that a, a passion of my heart on a, along spiritual lines yeah, the, the word that was given earlier about um, us walking in our weakness so that God's strength can be made manifest um, really was a good reminder for me. Touched my heart this morning. Um, and by the way, every single word resonated. Um, so uh, as, I've, as I prayed through that prophecy over me, what I have found is that in, uh, there are two areas that, that most commonly that manifests itself. One is that that when my wife and I come to church here on Sunday, when we come for this fellowship, this celebration time, it is all, always, even if I have forgotten about it, it's always on my heart within just a few minutes of walking in here to pray over this place, pray over you, pray that, that, that God's angelic host surrounds this place and stands guard over it so that the word of God can be communicated with integrity to protect us because we need his protection. And um, the other thing is that the other way that's manifested itself, and I imagine there's others, but the other one that, that really is something frequent with me is that when the word is spoken from up here, when it's taught by Jay or by someone else up here, that, it, that we remain cognizant of the fact that as you look over the congregation here, some of you have been here longer than us. Uh, others have been here at least as long. Others are maybe brand new, and maybe today's your first time. But the, the, not just the longevity here in this particular body of believers is important. It is, uh, to some extent, at, at least in terms of, of understanding how to process messages. But also, um, the, the relative amount of time that you've spent so far in your walk with the Lord can be very important to be aware of as we communicate the Word of God. That doesn't mean that we water it down. It doesn't mean that we try to... To, to reach the person who's the least experienced in their walk with God or anything else. But that's just an area of concern to me. Because a, a, one thing that's very dear to me is that people are raised up 
so that they can mature and go on in the Lord. And I, I'm not saying that it's not uh, important to the rest of the elders because it's every bit as important to them. But as you know, the word, and I'm going to paraphrase this wildly, but the word calls us to kind of grow into our shoes um, uh, spiritually. And so that's, from those two perspectives, oftentimes I'll kind of process through what's being taught and ask the Lord, okay, how do you want me to, how do you want me to make application of this in my life? All that said, for those of you who were here last week, I don't know if, if uh, Jay's message, which I believe was being communicated because the Lord told him to say it, I accept that. Um, but I, I may have been among those who were the hardest hit by that, not because I had not heard um, uh, assertions or evidence in the past that, uh, that, that Christmas, as we, uh, the common term, Christmas has pagan origins, or Easter for that matter, not because I had heard those things before, but because they just simply were not important to me. I know who Jesus is, and I, and I know who I try to make the center of my focus during that Christmas season, likewise with Easter, okay? But I do know also that given, given what, I, what I prefaced with, the fact that people come from a, a wide variety, a whole spectrum of different traditions here, that that message, if it came across... Um, if it whacked me, it might have whacked you. And if it did, you need time to process that. Because the, the bottom line is, regardless of what God is speaking, and regardless of how completely and totally authoritative the message is as it's relayed from the pastor or someone else teaching to the body, regardless of that, okay, um, you still have to process through that. Because your walk with the Lord is yours. It's not mine. It's not Jay's. And so having... Having that in mind, um, uh, I, I, you know, when, when Jay asked us to bow and, and do business with God, you remember that last week if you were here? I just bowed and I said, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to understand from this? Because I was, uh, I was uh, not afraid. That would be way overkill. I was concerned that this might be um, hitting some people as, by the way, this is the way we're going to do it here. And if you don't do it that way, you're not welcome here. And I don't think, I don't think there was very many people that processed it that way. But my fear or my concern was that there might be somebody who did process it that way, and I didn't want us stamped with some sort of um, uh, um, inaccurate uh, perspective of being. This is a church who's taken a legalistic turn. And by the way, if you have a Christmas tree in your house, you can't go to church at the vineyard. You know that kind of thing. It's just that protective nature, I, I suppose that that was activated just a little bit. So at the time that we prayed, I just said, Lord, what do you want this to look like for me? I'm submitted to these guys spiritually, and um, I'm completely copacetic with the idea that you're not going to see a Christmas tree in this church, or you're not going to hear the word Easter in the Easter season and all that kind of stuff. My, my, um, I think our uh, request of you, as you walk with the Lord, where you are within your walk, and all of us have this in common, we have Christ as Savior. We have the cross as central in our lives, or that's certainly what the Lord wants in our lives. So our request of you is that you just process this, this information and the revelation and that you ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what do you want this to mean in my life, in my family's life? Last thing that I'll say here is this, and this was, this was inescapable for me as we met and had what was a... Uh, a it certainly wasn't antagonistic, but it was um, a rousing discussion in the elders' meeting on Tuesday night. It was good for me. But that's this. Regardless of where you are in your walk, it's very important to remember that if you are persuaded completely 
on a spiritual truth. For instance, these two things that have been uh, uh, relayed to us, taught to us, you and I do not have the freedom to break fellowship or to um, judge someone who is not yet so persuaded. Does that make sense? Because they are our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. I'm going to step in for just a minute because I, I brought uh, Romans 14, starting in verse 2 this morning, which basically says Paul is saying exactly what John just said. One man has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. Let not him who eats regard with contempt him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. And I would, I think you can make the substitution there about eating foods dedicated to idols and celebration of uh, Christmas or, or Easter. Uh, who are you to judge the servant of another? Because we are all the servants of God. And we are accountable to him. To his own master he stands or, or falls. And stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of the dead and the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you, again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall praise, give praise to God. So then, each one of us shall give an account of himself before God. And therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. That's basically uh, Paul saying what John just said. So... <laughs> uh, Arnie or Randy? It was a challenging message last week. Um, I think many of us were perhaps a little surprised. Um, but as I sat there, I guess the thing that hit me the hardest was what Jay was saying last week about uh, those who... Um, went ahead and ate the food that was, had been sacrificed to idols. We just read something about that in Romans 14. Okay? Because they didn't want to be rejected by the people that they lived around. Okay? They wanted to be accepted. All of us want that. You know, we all want to fit in. 
Um, we don't want to be thought of as being weird or eccentric or odd or something of that sort. However, if it's an issue between God, you know, between obedience to God versus the rejection of the people, what are you going to choose? Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please men or please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I don't know all of you, but I would assume that the vast majority of us want to be a servant of Christ. Okay? So, who are you going to please? That, to me, is the bottom line question. Am I going to please God? Or am I going to try to please man and probably not please God? To me, the choice is pretty clear. Okay? And I think it probably is for you, too. Um, I was reminded of something Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 18 to 21. He said, you know, and this is fair warning. You know, some of us come into the gospel, into the church and into the family of God with this easy believism nonsense, and we don't count the cost. We don't know what, what we're getting into. In some cultures, they flat well know. If I receive this Jesus and I begin to follow him, it probably means my family's going to reject me. They may count me as dead. They may want not, nothing to do with me. I might become a criminal in my country. And it costs something to begin following Jesus in an environment like that. Okay? Up to this point here in America, although that could change drastically in the next few months. We've had relative freedom. And it didn't cost us much of anything, except perhaps a little bit of, uh, you know, people poking fun at us or something like that, because we're, we're different. But Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Now, these guys had already been following Jesus for three years. They kind of knew who he was. They'd seen him perform miracles and heal the sick and cast out de demons and multiply food. They knew who they were dealing with, at least to some extent. But Jesus is here warning them of the consequences of following him. And I think we need to realize that that's possible for us. So, to me, the, the bigger issue than what I do with Christmas or Easter, don't, don't misunderstand, 
any area of disobedience before God is something I'm going to be accountable for. Okay? But rather than those two days or seasons, weeks, whatever, of the year, what about the other 50 weeks? What's my heart attitude? Am I wanting to please God, or am I wanting to please people around me? Am I willing to endure the rejection, the, you know, <laughs> the stuff that people will throw my way because I am serious about following God, and I don't get involved in some of the stuff that people do? What am I going to do with my life? Am I going to follow Jesus, or am I not? So that, to me, is the biggest issue. One quick sentence that caught my attention last week. I can't change the world if I just want to fit in. If there's no difference between me and anybody around me, what's the big deal? Who's this Jesus anyway? What difference does he make? Do you get my point? So... Honestly, I have some processing to do myself about what we are going to do during the Christmas and Easter seasons. Um, I'm fine with Easter. I, I hate bunny rabbits. I, I hate eggs because I realize that's a, a celebration of, of a pagan deity. Okay, a fertility. And that's not what this is all about. We're talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what we're talking about. So, the uh, Passover is a much greater symbol of what happened and what the purpose of this whole season is about. So I'm quite happy with celebrating Passover rather than any of this other nonsense. Okay. Christmas, on the other hand, is another issue. I was glad to hear Art's comments this morning because um, I think one of the biggest things for us is, is that family time and getting together with family and um, expressing love by exchanging gifts. Um, but I think we all need to just go before God and say, God, what do you want me to do? As Art is, I was hoping Art would say this. He's, he's said it numerous times, but I'll, I'll try to say it for him. You've heard the message that Jay gave us, and you may have heard other things, but the, the question is, okay, Lord, Jay says this, and I've heard this, but what do you say? What do you want for my life? That is the question. So may we all have fun wrestling through it. Randy? We yearn for revelation from God. We're hungry for that. I, I would think it's pretty safe to say that about pretty much everyone in here. Um, you do what He asks you to do. Don't do what I ask you to do. When I chat with folks, and become close friends with them in this fellowship, one of the first things I ask is, will you give me permission to talk to you like a brother? Which means I get to hit you upside of the head if you give me that permission. Um, 
I, I can't have anybody do anything other than what God reveals to you you should do. But I will tell you this. Um, I am honored to lead a family that is showing the fruit of, of revelation of getting rid of TV, the revelation of, of getting rid of more of the world, the revelation of uh, when in doubt, go to God. Let's huddle in prayer. When we're hurting, when we're in doubt, when we're sick, when we're lost, that's the first place we go. You'll see the fruit in your own family. I guarantee you. You will see the fruit in your jobs. You will see the fruit in your relationships with others. If you hear what God wants you to do, and when He reveals to you, and you are obedient to that revelation. Is it difficult? Yeah, I would imagine there's an 11-year-old sitting back there saying, yeah, it is a little difficult to get rid of Christmas things that I once knew. But when that 11-year-old goes home last Sunday and says, well, I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> and she tells her little sister, no more Christmas. You know, that, that we will go to God and ask Him how that's to be done. But you will see the fruit in your children. You will see the fruit in yourselves when you hear and you know inside. There's a lot of this world that's trying to get us down from everything we eat, from everything we watch, from everything we hear. And if we just remain faithful to hearing and doing and realizing that there's probably more we can get rid of in this world and focus on God, I tell you, it makes a difference. I used to live for Denver Bronco football games. I had season tickets. Honest, you know, for years that was an idol. And I will never forget the teaching over at the YMCA that said, we got to do this just step by step. You go to God and say, God, what is it you want me to remove from my life? And He will give you step by step. Yeah, was it hard to say, you know what? I just don't need that anymore. But the fruit of that was I, I told my little brother that, and the next year he realized he didn't need that anymore either. So God worked a mighty work in getting two brothers out of an idolatry that they had been entrenched in for years. You just have to listen, and I know it's tough. It's tough giving up junk food. It's tough giving up stuff that, that works in our bodies in a, in a wrong way. It's tough giving up TV shows that make us laugh, make us feel good. It's tough going, going to, to, to places where people gather and do things where, where they're not focusing on God because we want to fit in. And I will tell you this, when your own families start recognizing that you're not fitting in because you are a fanatic for God, 
and a fanatic for Jesus, and it's quite apparent, then that's the fruit that we all need to be living for. Listen. And please give us permission to slap you upside the head. But no, I tell you what, I give you permission to slap me upside the head because I need it a lot. What a great family you are and what great dialogue this is about getting out of the world. So we thought we might uh, open it up if anybody has uh, a question, something that the Lord spoke to them in this last week about this issue. Um, yeah, Chris. I once asked Holly, how do you know when you have a word for the Lord? And she says, it's, for me, it's, she says, it's when I get that sick feeling, I know I want to puke. <laughs> I get that today. I need to amplify a little bit of what something that Jay sh shared, a passage he shared that floored me on Tuesday. The Lord kind of told me that I needed to teach my son the parables. And so I started with the first parable of the seed sower. And it fell on deaf ears. He's five. But the next morning as I woke up, the Lord brought me back to that same thing to the piece where he was talking out of Isaiah, and there's something that's super pertinent about that. Jay Sheridan, it says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's hearts have grown dull with their ears, and they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, in turn, I would heal them. If we will see with our eyes, and hear with our hearts, and learn and understand the ways of the Lord, His promise is that He'll heal us. That was just profound to me, that I always thought that we couldn't provoke God to do things in our lives, but He provokes us to follow Him, and He'll do it. Thanks, Chris. Anybody else? I can only share with you my perspective, fallible as it is. If you ask Kaylee, I'm the Scrooge in our house. <laughs> One thing that's, that's really wrong with our culture, and it, it shows its ugly head in, on Christmas, is our consumerism. And Jesus said it's, it's more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom than it is for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle. Now, I won't get into what Jesus was actually saying. The, the analogy he was using, material things are extremely deceptive. And one thing that Jay didn't say about Christmas was the gift-giving was, was, uh, was a tradition where all the peasants would give the emperor gifts and the elite. And when we buy a bunch of stuff we don't need. We're enriching the people that we think that we hold our fist up and say, you know, stop oppressing me. And that's what we're doing. We're saying, okay, I'll enrich you with stuff I don't, by buying stuff I don't need. 
And America today is, is the modern-day Roman Empire. I mean, if you think about it. And that's, that's one of the ways that it rears its ugly head. And we have a friend who, he's a Jewish Christian, and he is adamantly opposed to Christmas. <laughs> he talks about it with us often. And if, if you struggle, you know, you are where you are with God, and you should obey him and go to him because he knows where you're at, and he knows how to, how to bring you along into his, into his fullness and his best for your life. But one of, the, one of the practical things I might suggest is if you really like buying people gifts, this friend of ours, every Christmas, he buys people gifts, his family, or every Thanksgiving, because he's thankful for his families, his family members, and his friends. So he buys them gifts on Thanksgiving. So practically speaking, that might be a way you can still practice your generosity, because it's important for us to fellowship with each other and meet together, and celebrate Jesus. Because I'll tell you what, the world is celebrating the Incarnation. And I've been studying the Incarnation, and it's blowing my mind. The fact that Jesus took on human flesh is amazing. And we should use that as an opportunity to preach the Gospel without letting that influence us. And if you want to buy people gifts, Thanksgiving. Tell them, hey, I'm th- and what would that say to someone if on Thanksgiving you gave them a gift and said, I'm thankful for you? Because on Christmas they expect it, and then they get the gift, and then it, it just occupies space and distracts them from God's best, probably. So that's just a practical thing that I learned this past year. I hope that helps. My apologies if anybody else wants to share, but I gotta, <laughs> I gotta cut this off at, at some point, and this is it. This is what it looks like for the body to be the body, and I, I like the way that looks. Um, I, I love leading you guys. I I love all of you, and the Lord's taking us someplace. And we're on this journey together. We need to love each other through the journey. Need to smack each other upside of the head once in a while. (laughs) Sometimes we need to hold each other up. But that's why we're not in this alone. We're in this thing together. So I want to pray a blessing over us and um, be dismissed. Um, this, this is a great opportunity to seek the Lord more. He says, ask, knock, seek, and he will answer and we will find. Mm-hmm. Hebrews says, without faith it's impossible to please God. If we come to him, we must believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So let's diligently seek him. And and let him lead us on this journey. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in us. 
I thank you that you, you love us. You look down on us with joy. And you love our, our seeking and our asking and our knocking. And you do answer. And Lord, I thank you that you have broken something through this, that you've taken us to a new level as a body. Now equip us to stand there. Lord, I ask your blessing on every family in this body, every person who will seek you and obey and in so doing glorify you and draw nearer to you. So Lord, bless us and help us. Help us to love one another on this journey. Even when we aren't in complete agreement with one another about all the details. For the glory of your Son. Amen.